G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 18 Preview Edition on a fine and crisp Melbourne winter's morning. And uh, some weeks when you say it's all happening in football and you know that's garbage, but there are some weeks when it actually has all happened. And I think this week is one of them, of course, with the departure of a third senior coach this season, of course, St Kilda's Alan Richardson resigning from his post on Tuesday, effective immediately, as I immediately say a very good morning to my co-host, Mark Fine. How are you, Finey? Very well. How are you today? It's... We have this, now we can almost call it a merry-go-round because obviously there's a a few horses on the merry-go-round. You've got a choice of which uh, horse you ride. Yes, hopefully they'll uh, be a little more... um, Animated? Yeah, than a horse on a merry-go-round. Yeah, yeah. But I get where you're coming from. Uh, In a nutshell, what would you make of it? Uh, I mean, as a St Kilda supporter... Uh, I was, and actually as, a, as an Alan Richardson fan, and not a Bash fan, I, I, going back right to his appointment, which came on the back of Scotty Waters that I had some fingerprints on, a lot of fingerprints on, uh, I was very pleased that they announced Alan Richardson. Um, that, first of all, just the dignity of the man, but an understanding that when you have a look at the six years in total, it is time to get a new voice at the club. And and with Alan understanding that, I, I actually really admire the fact that once he knew that the next six weeks were the last six weeks, he didn't want to, he didn't want to coach under those circumstances. And I, I am surprised that coaches see it out, when coaches see it out, knowing that they are dead man walking. Yeah, um, well, that's certainly less the the case now, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Certainly understand why he's pursued that path. Um, we've got plenty to talk about. Uh, interesting media watch coming up today. Um, previews of all nine games, and of course our competition finally. Uh, but let's thank our marvelous sponsors first. That's right. In the merry-go-round of football coaches, we can proudly say that we've got sponsors that have stuck. They are far more. Um uh, rel- not reliable. I don't want to use the word reliable. They are. They've got greater longevity than. I've just got a call from Nick Spartels. I wonder what that was about. Uh, Making sure you give him a plug right that's a, now. That's very funny, Nick. I've hung up on you, but you'll know why when you listen to the podcast, as you do faithfully, because I'm about to say what a great building company you've got there with Hardwick, Spartels and Hardwick Build Co. And I tell you what. Our listeners are great supporters of our other sponsors, Andrews Hamburgers, 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park. And why wouldn't they? Because they know, after 80 years, that Andrews are famous for the best burgers in town. Well, I'll tell you what, Nick's Buttons and Hardwick Build Co. are famous for the best builds and re 
uh, remodels and refurbishments of houses, especially around the inner city southeastern suburbs. And I reckon if we got got one over the line, that'd be equivalent to six burgers. Uh, probably worth a little more than six burgers. But Andrews hamburgers Finan- financially, yes. But once if if we introduce six new people to Andrews hamburgers, I promise you they'll be fans. They will be Andrews burgers people for life. Oh, uh, and their children and their children's children. Unquestioned, absolutely unquestioned. The best burgers in town, the softest, uh, tenderest buns. Not to You're mention really the meat patties. Buns, aren't you? Oh well, they're they're great buns. I am into buns, and these are the they're world class buns. Yeah. Uh, the meat patties, um, just tender, melt in your mouth stuff. The crispest lettuce, iceberg lettuce. The freshest. Uh, uh, tomatoes. I'm trying to think of a variety, and I can't. The meltiest and cheese. The meltiest cheese. Uh, they're bloody good. So get down to 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park, and get yourself one. Uh, enough with the intro, Finey, because we've got a lot to get through. So how about we do that right now? On Footyology Newsfeed. All right, well, I'm not taking the piss this week about breaking exclusive. This isn't breaking exclusive, but it was certainly big news. And I speak, of course, of the resignation of St Kilda coach Alan Richardson. On Tuesday, the pressure had been building finally. Funnily enough, usually uh, the departure of a coach comes after a particularly lacklustre performance. I was down at the Cattery last Saturday night, and I thought it was a particularly competitive and uh, pretty good performance from St Kilda. So that was certainly unusual about it. Did well, you, does timing strike you as odd? Possibly, given, as you said, that it was a performance that I think the general consensus was St Kilda did very well. I, I will say one thing about his final game as coach. You know, I've ranted with you for four years now, and I really have resisted ranting directly about the umpiring at a St Kilda game. Yeah. And very interestingly, in his last ever press conference as St Kilda coach, was the first time he pointedly commented about the umpiring. So I was pleased that, not that it was a final salvo that he was building up, but that specific to that game, that uh, we both saw that there was an unfair imbalance. Just a, a side note, but I would say this. If you can choose your time to go, and it's not going to be uh, pretty because St Kilda are fighting it very hard to win a game, maybe it's nice that Richo uh, planted the flag and did so after a performance that everybody thought was pretty good, just to keep in the back of people's minds the fact that his overall coaching performance, with an asterisk of difficulties through injury, was not a poor one. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, in other no, words, he didn't leave on top. Yeah, but he certainly didn't leave. No, uh, they, they spiral, spiraling into. They hadn't been smashed by 130 yeah, points. Right. Uh, of, uh Wayne Schimmelbush in the preseason back in 1993. Yeah. Um, all right, I'll get your response in a minute. In a nutshell, here's my thoughts on it. I reckon you look at the six years of the body of work and you think um, it's pretty hard to argue with the decision to move him on. Six years, no finals appearances. Um, I think 42 wins from 126 games, so a strike rate of about it's 30. Actually, that is exactly 33%. I think it was about 34%. Not great. Um, what sort of strikes me as a bit odd about it is the timing in the sense that 
I reckon if you look at each year in isolation, it stands up a lot better than if you look at it in its entirety. So first season, he wins four games, but that's with the side being totally revamped. Second season, there's a marginal improvement to six wins. Third season is the one where they really make hay. So 2016, 12 wins. They finished outside the finals only on percentage. A slight, very slight regression in 2017 to 11 wins, finish a game outside the eight. However, and this is a pivotal moment, clearly, that includes that dismantling of Richmond by 60-whatever points in round 16 of that season where they looked a million dollars. Um, only won, I think, two of their last six after that, which is interesting. And In fact, only from that moment won, I think, 12 of 40... Uh, five games or, or something like that. It was a very small percentage. But those two seasons, got to give them a tick. I think this season, and I've said this already, given the absolute cataclysmic list of injuries they've suffered and, and bizarre injuries and potentially career-ending injuries, I think what they've achieved in his coaching performance has been more than satisfactory. I think four wins from the first five was a, a terrific start. And I think, yes, whilst they've won two of, what, 11 since, there's only been, I reckon, two games where they got absolutely blown away. And they've hung in there pretty well, I think. So what I can't get past is the fact that if, if you're looking at it year by year, surely the end of last season, when they only won four games and it was a disaster, is the time where they should have been saying, thanks, Alan, no thanks. I, th- I feel like the reason they didn't do that was because they perhaps jumped too early to extend his contract at the end of 2017. So until then, he was contracted till the end of 2020, but they gave him another two years on top of that. Is that right? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, And I think that a year later, the board would, had they gone times up, Alan, they would they? It would have been embarrassing for them having uh, instilled that complete vote of confidence in him to turn around and say a year after that, no, you're not the right man for the job after we've just extended you for another two years, would have made them look silly. So they went the Richmond-Collingwood route of surrounding him with a new setup, a new list manager in, in James Gallagher, uh, two new assistant coaches in Brendan Wade and Brett Ratton. Um, there's a and someone else I'm missing in there. Uh, in a uh, Simon Lethlone was already aboard, um, but gave him a different support structure. Having done that, and given the uh, obstacles they've been up against this year, you have to say that this year has been far from his worst coaching performance. In fact, there's an argument it's in the top three in terms of a a year-by-year assessment of his coaching. So I find that a bit odd. And people have basically come out and said, look, he's paying the price for what happened last year. Well, why didn't he pay the price last year and why is he paying it now? I think, first of all, that he was um, given another year in the job, mainly because, first of all, he's well-liked and well-respected the club, and they there was a lot of bonhomie towards him, wanting him to turn it around. And given the Richmond model that Damien Hardwick was perilously close to being moved on in his job, but they changed his support staff, in other words, 
they shot, they shot the assistants rather than shooting the boss, and it worked so well for Richmond that that gave them another way of dealing with Richo. And I look, St Kilda's list has been um, affected greatly this season by long term injury. When you look at it, really the one change from last year has been Jack Stephen not playing. Roberton didn't play last year. McCartan barely played last year. Carlo, uh, Carlo was injured this season but had plenty of injuries last year. He ended up on the sidelines. And you know the emergence of Rowan Marshall has covered the long-term injuries to the other two ruckmen, Lewis Pearce, who I don't know is an AFL ruckman necessarily, and Billy Longer. But... Well, six wins this season. I believe that after winning four of the first five under the same duress that the team is now under, it's disappointing that they've only won two games since. Look, six wins include very narrow squeaks over Gold Coast twice. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Gold Coast are a, a basket case worth percentage at the moment. Maybe the first win by point at home, which is not a great result when you play Gold Coast at home, and St Kilda were lucky to win that game, okay, but you take it, because Gold Coast started off all right. But Gold Coast are now putting together some of the worst football you've seen, except for the game that they played against St Kilda, which they almost won. So, yeah, St Kilda's form isn't great, and and Richo himself called time. He still had six weeks if he really felt that the message was strong and getting across and they were capable of winning three of those games, he would have really strengthened his case to stay on. Now, there's the other part that people don't talk about a lot as well. Look, St Kilda is in a financially very poor state. Luckily, with AFL support, it's not. there's no chance of it being terminal. But the overall commercial viability of a club and the attractiveness to members and the ability to sign new sponsors with a with a with Richo at the helm might have run its race as well there are times when a club decision is not purely based on results the results are not good they are not good over the 6 years in fact have a look at a list of all-time players to have played games without playing a final and St Kilda are now putting up a raft of players into that all-time list. Trevor Barker heads it at 234. Nunes, 150 games, no finals. They're, they're, basically, all the current players are having a crack at it. Billings, 101 games, and there's four or five others in the three figures. Okay, so are you, are you saying uh, this is a drastically underperformed list that should be contending for finals in its current state? Well, they should be after twelve wins in his third season. You know, some of these injuries were impossible to plan for, but maybe in hindsight, Dylan Robertson should he be on the list this year? Should he have? You know, he played one, two practice matches, and he's not in a position to play league football. No, well, they are talking now about potentially petitioning the AFL for a uh, compensation pick, yeah. uh, given you've got Robertson, you've got... Uh, McCartan. who may not play again because of concussion. Two, Pierce two and Ruckman and Longer. Pierce and Longer. Um, I mean, Jack Stephen will play again this year. I, don't, I wouldn't include him. I believe he was... Will he? I believe so. Okay. 
Maybe. Yeah, he was tracking to play in the next week or two. All right, so look, in a nutshell, you think it was the right decision? Well, it was his de- It was his decision. Oh, no, yeah, he- but hang on, Fanny. Yeah, come on. No, yeah. no, no, it was his decision to leave now. There was some fairly handy sort of undermining that was going on for at least the last two months. Oh, there wasn't unqualified support. The club couldn't give him unqualified support. But I'm saying... No, that- but they could have refrained from, you know, sort of feeding mates in the media, you know, sort of little whispers to... Uh, oh, well, look, the, the record stands six years, no finals. Yeah. And unfortunately, after the very poor season that was 2018, 2019 started encouragingly enough, but six wins ain't going to cut it. Yeah, no, look, I agree with that. So I, I'm not saying it was definitely the wrong decision. I just think it was a decision that was more justifiable 12 months ago than now, and I think having decided to press on and bring in a raft of different support staff for him, and given the amount of injuries and their nature and the general sort of air of disruption around the whole season, uh, I would have liked to have seen them at least honour the two-year extension. But it's footy, we know how it works, we know that contracts aren't really worth the paper they're written on. Um, just quickly... Alan Richardson came in on the back of a contract cut short. Yeah, yeah. well, most of them are. Um, in terms of a replacement, a few thoughts you had about that or about the uh, some of the names that are being thrown up as replacements? It's a great discussion to have. You can throw up virtually every name because there are, there are a number of possibles out there, everything from Brett Ratton, who's at the club and will take over the reins, to James Hurd, who there is no suggestion. What was that about? There's no suggestion he would be a coach, but... But what was it? Okay, so let's... Well, Dave, David, David King brought that up. Now, yeah. why has he brought that up? Maybe if you want to get published or you want to get talked about. I can't and, see another rationale. What is a logical rationale for having James Hurd as coach? No, but to, not to have him, but to bring him up. I read the piece, actually, and, and he didn't even sort of argue why, particularly why Hurd would be a great choice for St Kilda. No, because David King has gone from being the game's best-known reader of statistics to now the game's best-known reader of tea leaves. I mean, if you want to be constantly talked about and published, then to delve into the world of fake news and clickbait will have its own reward in this segment regularly, yeah. or in Media Watch, honestly. Yeah, well, we could have talked about this in Media Watch. I, yeah, look, I, you know, I, I think Kingy does some really good stuff, but I thought that one was just really ill-founded and, yeah, read absolutely like clickbait. Okay, um, I think Damien Barrett has... He told uh, St Kilda they have to look at Robert Harvey. Yeah. I would tell Damien Barrett he has to get... Um, some new glasses and some new new clothes. He doesn't, I, I, he doesn't yeah. really have to, and I'm in no position to tell Damien to change his wardrobe. And Damien's in no position to tell St Kilda what they have to do. And it's amazing how you can get emboldened and and forget your place in in the pecking order well, yeah. as, as a senior journalist. This is one of my pet hates, this thing that because someone has a connection with a the club, they have to be considered or it automatically catapults their name to the front of the queue. If it was any other club, with all due respect to Robert Harvey, I don't think we'd even be mentioning his Was name. Was he being mentioned for Carlton or North Melbourne? No. 
So why is he being mentioned? Because he Kilda? played for St Kilda, and this is how this whole thing about picking, hiring foreign coaches is so often irrational and, and just without sort of logical foundation. Uh, Gary Lyon has th- uh, thrown up the potential return of Ross Lyon. Yeah, of course. Would he have done that if Ross Lyon hadn't coached St Kilda previously? Or would he have done that if somebody else brought it up before him? The, the need to be heard in a sea of now un- Unresearched, not researched, not, none of these are inside information or informative in terms of actually where St Kilda is at. Uh, another journalist, Sam McClure, has stated categorically it is down to Brad Scott and Brett Ratton. Do you want to hear something categoric? Yes. I do have strong connections within the St Kilda Football Club that go up to board level. There is a, at the moment, process that is looking at every possible candidate and some that people haven't considered. To say that it is down to two is basically Sam McClure punting on the, okay, the known facts. Ratton's coaching for six weeks and he's a bloody respected and decent coach. And Brad Scott quit North Melbourne, and he's a good mate of Simon Lethleen's. And within those two people, you might have the two favourites. And so Sam goes with, they are the only two choices. Well, that is not where St Kilda is at at the moment. I can categorically state there are a raft, there's there's a, a Melbourne Cup field of possibilities being discussed, and St Kilda will ask some of them to present, and others who are currently at AFL clubs will be canvassed as to the possibility of them sensationally, sensationally leaving to take up the St Kilda post. It is not down to two. Okay, well, there you have it. You heard that exclusively on the Footyology podcast. We're going to talk about another story that emerged yesterday uh, reasonably quickly, and it was a press conference that Steve Hocking gave to cover off on a uh, diverse range of topics. He has said he was going to be a bit more visible. Um, and uh, were, were this not such a big news week, I reckon this one might have gone for several days at least, or it might still, because uh, there was some pretty sort of eyebrow-raising stuff in there, i.e. Um, the suggestion that there is too much tackling in the game of AFL football now. Uh, there was one game last week in which 161 tackles were recorded, which he cited. And he's keen to reduce tackling in AFL football. He didn't outline how the AFL could make that happen or what a desirable number number of tackles were. But uh, that one's certainly a big ticket item if there's some artificial measure introduced to reduce the game, um, reduce tackling in the game. There was another fairly um, dramatic suggestion that boundary umpires could possibly start awarding free kicks, although he did say that wouldn't even be looked at until after 2021, if at all. Um, There was a bit of a conversation about the rule changes this year again, and again, not for the first time, the AFL cited this stat that 76% of games this year, sorry, 76% of game time this year, the margin between sides has been two goals or less. Um, what hang, on, I, hang on, these rule changes were brought in 
to increase scoring, not to make, not so they could turn around and say it's been closer. Well, correct. Uh, if, that... they, if they weren't really close, why don't they get rid of the goal? Get, get put a net, get a goalkeeper, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. No, well, that that was going to be my point. Uh, not only is that sort of irrelevant to why the rules were introduced, um, it, it's that how can you claim that the rule changes are responsible for games being closer? Yeah, I'm saying it's a it's a it's a it's a fortunate byproduct. Yeah. In fact, one one of the one of the reservations people had about the rule changes was that there might be more blowouts if a side had centre square dominance. So that is actually at odds with with one of the fears with the new rule. So how can how can the rule changes that have come in possibly have led to closer games? It's, yeah, like, it, it's like saying it's like it's like the council pointing out that uh, the roundabouts that they've brought in throughout. Their, the suburb coincide with a decrease in divorce rates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an absolute furphy. Um, oh, can I just comment on less tackles? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say one more. Yep. Um, he said the feedback on the rule changes had been largely positive. Uh, well, that may be the case. I suspect more from an aesthetic point of view than, you know, sort of meaningful fundamental change to the game. Um, scores... What feedback? Official feedback? feedback no, from the no, no, saying fan or feedback. Or just zeitgeist. Yeah, zeitgeist. I don't know how they measure the fan feedback. And scoring has gone from 82.8 points per team last season. It's still running at about 80 at the moment, although they say scores from centre bounces are up, which means scores from every other source, of course, are down. Well, overall scores are down. Yeah, they are. Yeah, so they By brought in half a, a goal again. So they brought in a raft of changes to increase scoring, and scoring's gone backwards. Yep. Only a a well trained statistic reader, i.e., politician, which is what these guys sound like, could could um, massage that into a win. They brought in a new kick in rule to increase coast to coast football, and scores from kick ins are currently less than they were last year, 3.9% as opposed to 4%. What did I tell you after round one? Yeah, you did. You did. All it does is allow people to kick it longer and closer to the boundary. Yep. Stupid. Uh, okay, about, talk, so tackling. Talking about stupid, you've got to realise that you're going to be quoted. In the end, Stephen Hawking is known yesterday for coming out and saying there's too many tackles in football. And do you know what that reminds me of? He sounds like the foolish um, health officer in a very famous anecdote about Bart Cummings. He really does sound like that foolish health officer who followed Bart Cummings around with a clipboard all day at his stables once, demanding attention because he was from the health department and there were a number of issues. And Bart ignored him for three hours apparently, and did his morning routine of looking after the horses. And this little bespectacled nabob finally said, Bart, enough, enough. He had a whole list of things, but he said, Bart, you've got too many flies at the stable. And Bart turned around and said, how many am I supposed to have? (laughs) Yeah, well, though, I mean, if they're going to say that, they There's too many tackles. Yeah, well, it's a thought bubble, isn't it? I mean, if you're going to say that, surely you have to follow it up with what is an appropriate number and how do you plan to uh, reduce tackles? Which is exactly like flies at a stable. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, which is a redonk, which is just a ridiculous thing to bring up. There is no way, there is no method of reducing tackling. The way the game is played, yeah, 
Well, there is a way of reducing tackling. There is only there is one way of reducing tackling. Or reduce congestion. Correct. So either take it down to sixteen players. Yeah. Or understand what Sir Kenneth Luke understood 60, 70 years ago now almost. And that is as players get as man gets bigger and fitter and faster, our grounds need to get larger, which is why he commissioned Waverley to be built as a mega sized ground. Mm. That was to avoid congestion. And no ground we've had created since then has been anywhere Anywhere near that that size. It had to be reduced in size. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. They shortened Waverley, but in its original form, yeah. AFL or well, VFL Park Waverley was enormous. Yeah. Making for the funniest little league games at half time yeah. you've ever seen. Yeah, pretty low scoring those ones. And but also uh uh put where it was because it was forecast to be the demographic centre of Melbourne yeah. and in the end it, it did become a very handy venue for that reason and because it was the only AFL location in the east of Melbourne and, uh, well, 20 years ago they bailed out on that one too. I'll tell you one thing about Waverley. Yep. At least during its time that it existed, it gave this town a rain belt. As soon as they knocked it down, I haven't heard of rain belts ever since. (laughs) That's a fair point, actually. All right. uh, I I do want to talk about, very quickly, very quickly... I was going to suggest you do this for your rant. Yeah, no, no. no, Rants are more fun than that. It is serious. It's EFL, the Eastern Footy League Silent Sunday, which starts this weekend. It goes for two rounds, and all junior games and junior girls games in that region are under the conditions of Silent Sunday, which in most part, talks about common sense barracking from parents. Don't abuse players. Don't abuse umpires. Don't abuse opposition fans. We don't need a silent Sunday for that. But it restricts clapping or cheering, telling all people attending junior games you can only clap or cheer after a score and you must do it for both teams. Yeah, now, sounds a bit over the top. It It, it, it is nanny-stating or... Honestly, if look, if people need to be, if parents, parents, the ugly parent syndrome across all sports needs to be policed. But in an order, in order to have fun, you cannot instruct people, adults, to behave in a manner so contrary to the nature of supporting that really, you know what they're telling people? Drop your kids off and go home. To me, if you're telling somebody you can't clap when your kid takes a mark, then go home. Well, it's also like sort of telling people to have fun too. It sort of tends to be counterproductive. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Tell somebody to go out and enjoy themselves and have fun. And it's all based on trading is the time where kids learn. Game time is where they freely express what they've learned. So don't offer any instruction during games or around games on the weekend. Um, Here's something that EFL might try after Silent Sunday. They might try, butt out and let parents, parent, and let parents go and watch a football team, police ugly parents, and don't penalise the majority of parents who now understand what it is to be a good supporter of their kids. All right. Uh, Well, Well, do, Do you agree or not? 
yeah, fundamentally. I mean, look, I, I see where they're coming from, but it's clearly over the top. And even the name, Silent Sunday. Yeah. You don't go to the football. No, you don't and want kids, silence. And kids love a crowd. Yeah. Kids love clearing. Kids love the noise. Yeah. Don't you remember as a kid, one of the big things when you played a junior game was how many people are watching. Yeah. Well, you don't want them. Yeah. They, Marcel, Marcel. It, it, it would have been better off calling it Sensible Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Just behave sensibly. Yeah. Not a lot of that around sometimes. All right, we've got to move on. Uh, time now for Media Watch. On Footyology, Media Watch. Radio Finey, Media Watch. A uh, couple of things I wanted to place on the agenda. Now, as you know, um, I come from a newspaper background, worked in newspapers for 35 years, um, and you know my heart remains... With them, and uh, nothing better than uh, a big news day and, and gobbling up lots of reports and analysis and background stuff and whatever on any big breaking story. It's still a buzz. Uh, increasingly, I do that online rather than in the print version of um, of newspapers, and that's uh, well, that's just a matter of convenience, really. So that's why I do it. Um, but- so, but that means you subscribe because. I don't subscribe, and I obviously am frustrated by the amount, the amount of payable, the amount of articles that now fall, especially in Aussie rules football. Yeah, in the paywall, in the paywall realm. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's a whole another discussion. I mean, and they, I w- they have to do that well, to hang make on. money. I lead in now back to you by saying I would pay the subscription fee, but I am not satisfied. That those articles are uh, much more than thought bubbles turned into stories, and I'm not paying. I'm not paying for some of the stuff that goes under the ti- under the guise of journalistic journalistic um, craft or written articles. They're not written articles; they're just what people have said and other people are writing about, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, that's that's basically where I'm going with this. Well, well, two twofold. Um, so the Alan Richardson story, obviously one of the biggest footy stories of the year. Um, so I was, you know, read. I, I do subscribe to both major papers, by the way, so I can I have access to everything. Um, so I was reading the news stuff about Richo, and then as the day went on, I thought, okay, you know, there's more stuff appeared about you know potential candidates to replace him, and then I thought, okay, well, I want to read the analysis of what happened and why, and um, I wanted to read. Jake Niles' analysis of that, the chief footy writer from The Age. And I couldn't see anything. Jake did some reporting and stuff, so I sort of got distracted after a while and forgot about it. And then finally, last night on Twitter, and maybe this is the fault of the social media people there or person, um, I saw a link to an analysis piece by Jake. So I read it, and, and it was fine, you know, and um, I thought, geez, I wouldn't mind reading that yesterday when, when, you know, when it was still relatively fresh. And it dawned on me that that story really hadn't been promoted online by The Age at all. It was in the print edition and, and prominent enough there, but if you were reading online, you basically wouldn't have seen it. And this then and last night, an even more stark example, and it goes exactly to what you, the point you just made, I was about to go to bed, and I'm on the Herald Sun website, and I see a little write-off for a story, and it says, don't count out Ross Lyon for the um, Carlton coaching job, says Herald Sun chief football writer Mark Robinson. I thought, oh, okay, Robbo's done a column about why Ross Lyon might 
end up at Carlton. This will be interesting. So I click on it. Nope. Wasn't a column by Mark Robinson about why Ross Lyon might go to Carlton. It was another Herald Sun reporter, who I hadn't heard of, um, writing up a couple of lines that Robbo had said about Ross Lyon potentially going to Carlton on AFL 360. So the story was, you know, uh, Ross Lyon might still end up uh, coaching at Carlton next year, says Herald Sun chief football writer Mark Robinson. Speaking on AFL 360, Robinson said, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there going, hang on a sec, am I, am I in la-la land here? Here's the Herald Sun chief football writer being quoted in a Herald Sun news story. Why didn't they just get Robbo to write a piece saying why I think Ross Lyon will end up at Carlton? Oh, this is why. Because News Corp owns Fox Footy and it's an easy chance for some cross-promotion and a free ad for Fox Footy by writing up something that their own chief football writer has said. I mean, that that's about as stupid as it gets. That That is cheap advertorial posing as news and no one with half a brain wouldn't see that. And it's selling the Herald Sun's readership short. And it's tacky. More kite flying than on a breezy day on a beach in Guangzhou province. Well, it's just ridiculous. Anyway, look, I tweeted this. What bad analogy? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not bad analogy. I tweeted this last night and immediately got the predictable replies. Oh, Robbo's an idiot. Robbo's a flog. And then I felt compelled to write another tweet saying, I'm not having a go at Robbo, because I wasn't. You know, like, that view might be entirely valid. It's not his call, it's someone else's call. But, you know, if you think that is a valid news thing, get the guy who said it to write it. It's like, you know, it's like me, we have a discussion now, you say something particularly controversial, and I go and write a piece for the Footyology website, say, Footyology podcaster Mark Fine says, I mean, that is stupid, Finey. Yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong, and it it just takes us so much further away from the craft of journalism, journalistic integrity, because, well, you can speak to this. You went through the process of cadetship. Uh, You, I'm sure, had your work, eyes of experienced journalists going over your work, told the do's and don'ts of of the industry, how to confirm sources, what constitutes a news story, what constitutes an opinion piece, etc. All of that has gone out the window because the real-time nature of of the internet and of putting stories online means, and also the emergence of fake news and clickbait, means that you can write anything at any time and as long as people read it, you've had a win. Yeah, yeah. If you put something that says... um, you know, Rowan Connolly explain. Rowan Connolly reveals the five AFL footballers who won't play next year because of mental health issues, and four of them are already retired. So it's a, an absolute live and art. You know, it's, it tells you nothing. If you, if that's got huge numbers because of the headline, then you get the pat on the back from the um, from the online service that you have provided these eyeballs too. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this this example I'm talking about with Robbo, it's not even a, a failure of journalistic ethics or checks and balances. It's just a, a tacky bit of cross-promotion. And increasingly, 
when I do look at the Herald Sun print edition, and I've got to admit, I don't do it all that regularly. I do. I read it every day online, so don't, I'm not saying I don't read the Herald Sun. I do, but I read it online. When I look at the print edition, half of it appears to be blurbs and, and ads and, you know, and, and big sort of promotional things for Fox footy stuff, yeah. you know. So it's, it's like a – actually looks increasingly like one of those shopping catalogues you used to have put in your letterbox. I mean, one – a new person in the football media landscape with no journalistic background but very much attuned to this way of promoting himself is Kane Corns. Now, you know what I would find a most revealing article? What? Not Kane Corns thinks – that so-and-so will be a coach of club A, B or C, just that Kane Corn thinks. <laughs> I'd read that. <laughs> I'd want to know the basis under which the writer claims that he actually thinks before he speaks. Well, there's a theory that he's actually quite clever in doing this because it, it, as a strategy, it appears to be working, doesn't it? Because people pay attention, you know, because, and that's I'm going to get to this, this thing about this incessant... So the number of former players in the media now occupying key media roles and then this dutiful reporting of what they say on those platforms by newspapers means every second day there's a Kane Corn says that um Kane Corn says that uh Alistair Clarkson is really part cyborg you know it's that sort of stuff can i choose the song for this week because i've got two choices rolling around in my head all right we'll keep them private don't the surprises the yeah, uh, carry on. I've, I've I've actually got a very quick media watch because I've got something positive at the end. Well, but... that's good. You're going to need it after yep. this. Um, all right, so that's that's certainly got my goat. Now, the other one I just touched on it there is, again, increasingly, and I think this is more so, again, online than in the print editions, it seems like you get the more considered um, reflective stuff in the print edition and more and more the online versions now are just the immediate reaction to breaking news, which seems to consist, in a footy sense now, 90% about contract speculation stuff, either that or this former player or coach said this on this particular media outlet. That, is, that seems to cover about 90% of it, leading to the sort of clickbait stuff you just mentioned. And I've had this discussion with former colleagues and they say, well, you know what it's like now. It's so much harder to get valid news stories because the clubs are so protective and they've got their own media channels now and they keep stuff back for that and it's harder to get access. And and I accept all that. But the thing is, some of the stuff that is passing for news now is basically just like a, a media monitoring service, isn't it? It's just sort of someone sitting there listening to a radio show and recording the quotes. Gary Lyons said this on breakfast this morning, right? Yeah. What I'm saying is if there is no obvious news around, like uh, even if it's an injury story or something, there's no, you know, this major player is injured and might miss the next six weeks or whatever. How about this? So Collingwood, for example, until last week was seen to be in a bit of trouble um, you know, their form was going south. They'd stopped playing the way they were supposed to play. I didn't see a piece by Journo analysing what had gone wrong with Collingwood, using statistics to back up where they'd fallen away, why they'd fallen away, how were they going to get out of it, who were their upcoming games against, where were they likely to finish on the ladder. Um, and you can do that with anyone. I mean, you, you can... Uh, what's another one at the moment? Richmond. Okay, Richmond have struggled through most of a season with that, that 
catalogue of injured players. The players are back now. They're getting their form back. Where is Richmond? What have those returning players given to the Tigers? How is that reflected statistically? How much better a side are they in round 17 than they were in round 13? Uh, give us a graphic of the two different lineups and how dramatically stronger this one is than that one. You know what I'm saying? Like that, All those things are valid news stories that can be written by journalists. But increasingly, there's this view that even in newspapers now, any sort of analysis has to be done by someone who played AFL football at senior level, mm. and the journos are only capable of dutifully recording what the former players say on their other media outlets, or just rattling off quotes from people, or talking to player managers and digging up some contract speculation. And this is bullshit. And I'm getting animated now because it is bloody bullshit. I spent 35 years in newspapers and I wrote about football for a long time. And after a long enough apprenticeship, uh, I I started to write that stuff myself because I'd seen enough and, and spoke to enough people to be able to justify it. And people accepted it and they enjoyed reading well written, considered pieces of analysis, which you now don't get. Yeah, your level of frustration with that is very similar to my level of frustration with the um, wet behind the ears adolescents that are doing radio after fifty, you know, after after really, I moulded my craft for fifteen years, and for the last seven years, I was on air more than any other person in Melbourne on commercial radio, and I go by the wayside for. People that have never done radio in their life, they don't know the basic, you know, there's basic rules of engagement with going to breaks, for example, that, that you know, there are, there are, and you learn this from the expert, from seasoned people pass on the advice and you hone your skills. It's that same level of frustration. Where's the, where's, where's the respect for flying hours and experience? Okay. Just stop there for a sec, because I didn't tell you this, but I was actually going to bring this up as, so let's say that's the end of... Topic one of Media Watch. This, I don't want people just to think this is a stream of consciousness, grumpy old men session, right? The other thing I put on the agenda for this week was exactly what you just mentioned, which is more and more when I'm reading online forum stuff, it's people complaining about younger presenters on both radio and TV who are vanilla. Right, they don't they they don't have the uh, experience or the expertise to give an informed opinion on something, so they probably shy away from that. So they're just basically MCs, really, rather than as we've come to expect with radio uh, presenters to have an opinion, to be able to argue a case, to be animated, to engage with the listener. These guys might as well just be you know introducing. The next speaker at a, a night, and, and but they're know, doing it for three hours. So, okay, people are asking though, why is this happening? Why is this happening now? I'm interested in your thoughts. I, I think increasingly you get kids coming out of uni straight into the radio production arena, so they start producing other people's shows. You would have worked with a whole lot of them. Yep. They don't go and serve a journalistic apprenticeship as such in a newspaper. They don't go out, even in, in a radio sphere, they don't go out and do reporting and stuff themselves. So they're not reporting news. They're not engaging with the people who end up making that news. So they don't form any relationships with those people or a rapport with them. 
they haven't had to, and I, I feel this particularly with print. Print is a great forum for honing your uh, debating skills, if you like, or arguing a case, presenting an argument and having to back it up and research it and present you know, black and white evidence for your view. That is a great breeding ground for being able to do that in a audio environment too on radio and TV. None of them do that because newspapers are a dying industry and have seem to be old hats, so they don't do that either. So you get these people who suddenly appear on air, no one's heard of them because they have no media background, uh, they're inevitably young so they don't have that sort of life experience they haven't been around the traps so when they do venture an opinion because in the end there's there's too much time to fill to do otherwise no one gives a flying rat's toss bag what that opinion is and i think the airwaves are full of that at the moment yeah look everybody needs to start somewhere and you start as a nobody but you don't start as a nobody hosting in radio it's called B-M-A-D-E, so it's breakfast, morning, afternoon, drive and evenings during the week. They are the main components of radio hosting. Yeah. You start on the weekend with a little show here, do a bit here and there, as I did for over two years at SEN when there was no football weekend leave pass on a Saturday, Sunday afternoon when the footy was on other channels and we were raiding ones and, um, you know, the sort of numbers Macquarie Sport would only dream of. But the... That's where you start, but unfortunately, the and this is the sort of fiscal rationalisers and media, big media organisations, radio stations, newspapers, are in the hands of a board. They make the decisions, and unfortunately, they put the running of these um, outlets, radio stations, newspapers, uh, TV channels like Fox Football... They put them into the hands of people who seem to have a very, sadly, cynical view of the world, of what the public not wants but needs or would be satisfied with. And the current view is a headline act will put that name up in lights and underneath it will just, you know, pay sort of, you know, award wages to everybody else, make them interchangeable, not beholden to any other names, because if we just focus on the thin edge of the wedge where we put all our money and all our attention, then, you know, it, in other words, if we've got a big-name journalist writing for the paper, people will read the other articles in due course. They don't need to be written by good, well-paid journalists. If we've got a big act on our radio station, they'll put the dial on our station and they'll leave it there as they get in and out of the car and they can listen to anybody else for the rest of the afternoon or morning. The TV show, we'll have a big show and around it we'll just do repeats and, and you know fill it with piffle because once we've got them on the channel, we've got them on the channel. And there'll be surveys to back that up and they, they might be factually correct and what we've got in a very short period of time, in the last three to five years, is we've lost quality journos, we've lost quality broadcasters, and we've lost quality talent covering the game on TV. I don't know whether it happens in other um, sphere, in other in other sectors in media, but in football, don't tell me we're not worse off for these changes. 
And do you know what the net result has been for these companies? A, such a minimal spike, if any, in share prices that it really reeks of, um, well, at least now I can afford that ivory back scratcher. Like, really, it's, it, does any of these boards ever sit back and say, the big picture is we need to have a philosophy of excellent broadcasting. They're incapable of seeing the that, big picture. You know, the, the, the very essence of HBO in America that raised the standards of TV when it was falling in the United States to a point where the best actors in the world now happily are part of TV miniseries and productions in America because HBO, famously with Soprano, said, we are going to try and make money by raising the art. And sadly, in this country, we are nowhere near somebody on a board turning around saying, no, our primary objective is to be known as a network that delivers the highest quality product. In my time at SEN, that was never the mission statement. And when since taken over, it would be... That would be a laughable parody of the current management to say that their mission statement is to improve the overall quality standards and um, standards and public um, perception of our radio network. I'm mm. sorry, it's a sad. It's the yeah. sad world we live in, where where a few fat cats are lining their pockets at the overall expense of the product that people can get in various forms of print. And one thing I will say that a lot of what raises your ire is the state of play with online journalism, correct? Mm, Yeah. And I I don't want this to sound like I'm a a, um, a sexist or whatever. I'm not really into this discussion. Sadly, um, the de-evolution of man has meant that 100 years ago, the main question two men would ask when sitting in a tavern may be creationism or evolution or maybe where do we come from the big questions now do you know one of the big questions two men would ask are breasts with implants are they real one would say no and the other would say well if you can touch them they are real and i look at online media as implanted breasts i'm not sure it's real i know it exists Mm. i know it looks like it's real Mm. But I'm not sure in the philosophical question on breasts whether they're real. Well, I've uh, to gently steer away from that um, subject matter. I, I think for enough people now, online news isn't real. It, it's every, people increasingly. Geez, I've used that word a lot today. Um, people live in their little bubbles and they they digest the news. Pardon the pun, because yeah, yeah, bubbles. Um, they digest the news they want to digest. Look. Just to finish off on that thing about the announcers and radio and TV and whatever, aside from anything else, it's just boring. It's boring. It's boring having a, a young kid wet behind the ears who everyone knows doesn't really have the expertise to give an informed opinion. Who, 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 who peppers his or, or seasons his presentations with incorrect mixed metaphors. And, and also, one thing about radio is, yes... The problem is that when you have somebody who's wet behind the ears in 2021, radio is an intimate medium 
that goes for hours and requires content. Now, Other, if these, uh, yeah. you need world life, you need sort of life experience and some worldliness. You need to have, yeah. to be more interesting. You need to have travelled. You need to immerse yourself in matters far removed from sport. You said these kids can only talk about football, and because they don't have any historical reference to the game, they can only talk about football for the last two years. Yeah. So you get a million offers to ring in now and tell us which player at your club, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many times will that be run past the listeners at SEN before they pick at the joint or burn it down? Well, that's when you do get the same presenter on the show for more than two days in a row because he's not off filling in for some other program. I know we have to move on, but in this, in this disappointing sea of vanilla, yeah. when a good journalist emerges, let's credit him and give him the pat on the back that he deserves. Yes, who, who are you there patting was a, on the back? Because there was a good story this week that was broken, I believe, by Juno, and it's, a, it's not a good story, it's a serious story. Oh, but Dan Churney? Yeah, Dan Churney telling us about the very serious matter with Jack, Jack Higgins. Higgins. Yeah, and it was, it was it was well presented because he, in detail, spoke about the VFL game between Richmond and Werribee, and we then understood that it wasn't an impact injury at that game, and we got a clear insight from Daniel, who also this week wrote a very good article about the St Kilda coaching situation, not offering any opinions, not offering, I think, or St Kilda should, and simply wrote down a large list of candidates from the more favoured to outside the square and gave a par on each of them with their state of play and the likelihood of St Kilda being interested in them and or them being interested in the position. So well done to Dan on two counts. Yep, no, here, here. And I'll, I'll just add to that, obviously, having worked with him for a fair while. Do you know, true story, the first day he was in the office... Um, I came in and I was introduced to him and I, fe- I abs- hand on heart, I thought he was doing work experience and I asked him what school he went to. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. That's the age that they should be starting. But, uh, sorry, what I, what I did mean to say there other than have a cheap shot was uh, Danny's one of the young guys who loves his footy history loves and it. is very conscious of yeah, it. Yeah. So, well done, Wonder Boy. That's my little pet name for him. But, uh, yeah, good job. And I'm glad you pointed that out so we could finish this on it, a positive Interesting note. to see how far Dan goes because he is made of the right stuff. So, listeners, track his progress. Yeah. And if it isn't as spectacular as, you know, the Tom Brown and his ill-fitting suits, it's because he's less likely to say something sensational. He's not going to give you clickbait. Yeah. We'll see whether Dan overtakes sloppy Tom in the near future. It's probably also because he's getting around with a 1920-style fighter pilot moustache. But I can't really talk on that score either. All right, let's preview some footy. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Okay, six rounds to go. The race to the finals well and truly underway. And a big one to kick us off, Finey. Adelaide taking on Essendon at Adelaide Oval. 7.20 local time, Friday evening. Another of these storied eight-point games. Uh, The Crows in seventh spot, the Bombers eighth. What happens? Would you like to lead into a very important match with a easy kill at late or a absolute another you know tough hard fought come from behind in the last quarter win Essendon for Adelaide they almost needed that easy kill because they've got a lot of players who are not were not playing 
at 100% rats power and this might help them. Or maybe it won't help them at all because the reality is Taylor Walker getting a few goals and Eddie Betts feasting on what happened upfield against Gold Coast doesn't translate to any other team. I'm mm. not, I think it will serve Adelaide well. One thing we know, don't put the queue in the rack if you're two or three goals up with 10 minutes to go against Essendon. They're no, going to try and hunt you down. They've come from behind in each of the last three wins and yeah. uh, all narrow wins, uh, six points, 10 points and five points. And, and Essendon should be encouraged by Carlton because Carlton were doing these comebacks for four weeks and then actually controlled the game nicely in Sydney against Sydney. A bit of a blueprint for the Bombers themselves to not... Get behind. Yeah. Oh, look, for me, um, I think the headline here is is you can't get past it. No Michael Hurley, um, potentially for the rest of the season too, after surgery on his AC uh, but, joint. But maybe against Adelaide you can get away with it. Oh, do you like, reckon? I would have thought well, so. Who's their forwards to worry about? Hooker can take care of... Jenkins? He can take care of Jenkins, really. Walker's doesn't require... Walker just... Need somebody to be mobile. Well, that, well, yeah, okay. Well, you, I might have the man for you, and his name is Paddy Ambrose. Yeah, who, per- perfect. Uh, He's strong. You need back. a strong body. Yeah, yeah. No, to- no. You look. You might be right there. Um, incidentally, on that third leg of the Crows key forward trifecta, I think Lynch a chance they gave to come back next week. I think no, next this week w- they, they gave me ch- Don Pike said he trained well early this week, okay. and he would be considered. Well, that would make Hurley's absence particularly costly, I would have thought. Uh, Dyson Heppel also set to return for the Bombers too. So, look, it's a big plus. Their record in Adelaide is pretty miserable. Um, I just, yeah, this this is sort of, in terms of being a credible finalist, I reckon this is almost sort of last chance saloon for the Crows at home. They can't afford to... Stumble. I've ridden my luck with the Bombers finally for a few weeks. I tend not to tip them uh, in ones that might be close, and I have, and it's paid off. But can that luck continue? I just feel like Hurley is the one that tips the balance here, so I'm actually going for Adelaide. Sentences I never thought I'd hear. Yes. Um, Zach Clark needs another great game in the ruck for the Bombers. Gee, he was good. Did you ever think you'd hear that sentence? No. Well, he needs it, but he was very good last week. Yeah. Riley O'Brien's not a, a destroyer, but he does know his way around the ground. I'm tipping Adelaide with more reservations than a high-class restaurant. Okay. How many analogies? Uh, see how many analogies you can come up with before the end of a show. No, don't really. I'm just kidding. Um, let's go to Saturday afternoon, one forty-five at the MCG, and it is the Tigers taking on... Port Adelaide Tigers, very much back in town, baby, and uh, not long before they push their way into that top four, I feel. Just two players from their best lineup missing now, and that is uh, Toby Nankervis and Alex Rance, and I think Nankervis probably only a week or two away now. Um, Port Adelaide just doing what Port Adelaide do, which is be great one week and shocking the next. Well, they weren't shocking against Brisbane, but, um, you know, at home... Um, they got jumped badly by the Lions, seven goals to nothing essentially, and that was all she wrote really. So uh, they're due to win this week. Can they actually? We, we it's been nine weeks in a row this loss win sequence. Um, I'm tipping it's not going to continue finally because I reckon the Tigers are looking absolutely red hot 
at the moment. They're all back on deck. I reckon they're ready to make a really serious push for another flag. Plus, what about the injuries to the power? Ebert, uh, strained a PCL in the game against Brisbane. Uh, he'll miss at least several weeks. Ryan Burton injured a hamstring. He'll miss at least a month. Ollie Wines uh, fractured his thumb, played out the game, but is doubtful for this one. Can't win. Richmond remind me of a can-can dancer who left her knickers at home. Don't do this for the rest of the show, yeah? Why? No, I just wanted to come up with an odd analogy. Okay, all right, well, that's enough. <laughs> um, why? Because you just can't look away. Look, the Tigers are in not recovery mode, not rebuild mode, not get back into form mode. They're already there. Mm. And that is a bridge way too far for a now injury depleted Port Adelaide. If the only reason people are considering Port is because of the sequence of red and black on the roulette wheel, then go to the Crown Casino and don't bother watching football. Richmond by the length of the straight. Yep, we agree on that. So actually, I should be writing those down. So you went for I the... mean, Caddy, Caddy will probably come back in. They've got very good players that they can add to this team. Did you go for Adelaide or Essendon? Yeah, Adelaide. Okay, so we're both the same. Well, I'm two behind stage. you, by the way. Oh, yeah, I forgot to look. So you slipped another one. Yeah, I, I picked Carlton. Yeah. That was good. Mm. I um, didn't have the Bombers. Mm. And then I picked Gold Coast. You picked Gold Coast, yeah. <coughs> pick yeah, no, worked, pick worked out really well. I picked Gold Coast. Okay. Um, speaking of which... When I had a small stroke. <laughs> speaking <laughs> of which, they take on Carlton at Marvel Stadium 210 Saturday afternoon. I wouldn't pick Gold Coast to be a better place. <laughs> I wouldn't pick Gold Coast to be a better place to go surfing than Ligon Street. I will not pick Gold Coast for any reason under any circumstances. But you did last week. I'm saying after that. Okay. The only way I will ever say I pick Gold Coast in a sentence is I pick Gold Coast to be relocated or disbanded because I am not picking them to win a game of football. No, two straight, uh, 12 straight defeats, the last two by 92 and 95 points. Will they crack the ton this week? Actually, they beat Carlton at Marvel early last year, didn't they? I remember that. I think Lynch played pretty well. Those were the days. Uh, no, it's not going to happen this time. Blues have been terrific under David Teague, haven't they? Three wins and yeah, two losses, both very, by less than a kick. Very good, my Five friend. Five weeks of very solid football. Very good. Okay, we both think Carlton very, very easily. Uh, Saturday Twilight at Giant Stadium in Sydney. And it's an interesting stat. Apparently, now I don't know if this is correct, somebody told me that it's the first time in 1,100 days that Carlton will start favourite in a game of football. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Does that sound right? Well, what's that, three years? Yeah, it's probably believable. Oh, they didn't start favourite against Gold Coast, I don't know. Last year? No, well, maybe not. It was round two that game when Gold Coast beat them. Anyway, uh, GWS taking on Collingwood, 435. Um, GWS, they're, they're in all sorts. They are in serious danger of missing the eight now. Of course, no Josh Kelly for a few weeks. Now have lost Stephen Cornelio, probably. In fact, uh, the latest was that they'd have to go deep into the finals for him to be any chance of coming back. Um, they will get Shane Mumford back, but... Who's he going to be tapping to? You lose Kelly and Cornelio. They are clearly the Giants' best two players. Hang uh, on. His problem isn't tapping. He cannot keep up with any Ruckman. How's he going to keep up with Grundy? 
Yeah, well, he won't, get, be able, he won't be able to fall on him, that's for sure. He's going to get given the runaround. Incidentally, Collingwood not without injury issues either. Scott Pendlebury, uh, surgery on that broken finger. Said he might play. Yeah, it says he's hopeful. Surely that's unlikely, just a week after having surgery. Yeah. Darcy Moore out for a fair while. Yes. Um, ben Reid's still a fair way off. Uh, who else? Tom Langdon on the way back. But they've got maybe Adams. Yeah. Varka. Uh, yeah, chance. Um, so that injury list is gradually getting shorter. Um, years probably over for both Lyndon Dunn and and we think Dane Beams um, with those yeah. mental yep. health issues. Uh, fantastic win by the Pies in Perth last week and, and need to keep winning to maintain that top four spot. I reckon there's a chance GWS will miss the eight altogether. Um, no, I, no, there's no chance. Have you seen their draw? Oh, is it soft, is it? Well, they, they play Gold Coast. They play Sydney at GW. Oh, here, I've got it here. They've got Collingwood, Port Adelaide, Sydney, Hawthorne, Western Bulldogs, Gold Coast. That's not a tough draw. A lot of them are home games. Uh, Bulldogs is tough. Sydney's tough. Sydney's always tough. I don't think they've got the Hawthorne one. is... But they've got games in Tassie, uh, pardon me, in Canberra and yeah. GWS, and then they played Gold Coast last game. Oh, I think it's a, it's a... You couldn't get a better draw than that, really. Yeah, okay. But they're only a game inside the I eight. Know, I'm saying, but yeah, people, right. people are saying they're in free fall, which makes sense. Yeah. But I think if you look at their fixture, they'll make it. That's, yeah. that's my call. Yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, so uh, what about... The call on this game. Who are you tipping? Well, I'm tipping Collingwood confidently, and it is isn't it amazing that Collingwood were plummeting, and they and I believe they'll turn it around with wins in Perth and away to GWS. It, it's you wouldn't have imagined it, but so good was their win last week. You now say that will happen. Well, they are the AFL's preeminent road team. Ten out of uh, their last twelve on the road, they've now won. And I think it would please everybody if they stayed on the road. Just don't, just don't come back. For different reasons. Collingwood yeah. supporters, you keep winning. <laughs> yeah. And for the rest of us... We'd have to put up, put up with you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. the supporters. Okay. Uh, nice call. So both uh, Collingwood for both of us. Uh, Saturday evening, uh, here's another good game. At the Gabba, 7.25. The rampant Brisbane, now third on the ladder, taking on North Melbourne, uh, who are now two games outside the eight. Um Probably done and dusted as far as the eight goes, but great game. While there's life, there's hope. Great game. North are a serious opponent now for any team. Ben Brown's in form. He'll come up against Harris Andrews. That's the sternest test at the moment mm. a key forward can face. Brisbane, we love what they've done. Shouldn't we call him Hamburgers, Harris Andrews? Andrews Hamburgers? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. You can call him whatever you want, mate, but right. don't. You know what you don't call him? What? An out-of-form forward because no. he's going well. Um, all right, we love what Brisbane have done because of the way they do it and the fact that they've been off the radar for so long. But we do have to recognise that of all 18 clubs, they've had the best run with injury throughout the season. Now, that is statistically backed up by the fact that they have had more players play 14, 15 or 16 games of their best 22 or, or thereabouts than any other team. They have got a couple But uh, they've got a couple of injuries now, I'm Mc, saying. Yeah, McLuggage and Hipwood. We're not sure about their depth. We're not certain about their depth. Mm. There is a, an asterisk with this game. Mm. I think it falls away pretty quickly. You know who's a bit of a... Uh, I don't like the word barometer. I hate when people use barometer. Why? Why? 
A barometer measures pressure, atmospheric pressure. Yeah, okay. He's a real barometer for the team. What would be a more appropriate analogy? Anal a, thermometer. A, a, or penetrometer. Yeah, an anal thermometer. Okay. So, As in Cartman gets an anal probe, first ever episode. Of South no, just, it sounds, it's better. You know, so yeah. I think Nick Robertson's a bit of an anal thermometer for them. Right. In that when he's in the team, that's a be- you don't want to go further than him. You're starting to see players in the team that really are only, have played too much needful football. I don't think we're there yet. I'm tipping Brisbane, but just a caveat on their on their real, the graph that's just going up and up and up mm. into the top four, they can't afford injuries. Well, I, I've waited for them to stumble the last couple of weeks and tip, so thus tip the Giants against them and Port against them, and I refuse to do it a third time, particularly with them at home. Uh, as good as North have been under Reece Shaw, and uh, yeah, in some senses a, a little bit unlucky last week, led until literally the final 30 seconds. Um, so last chance saloon for them definitely to be any sort of chance that they simply have to win here. No Luke McDonald, his season's over, yeah. fractured his uh, leg last week. I reckon they'll give it a serious crack, the Roos, because that's just what they do now. They're, they're, if nothing else, at least competitive. But, uh, yep, Brisbane, third on the ladder. It's time we started believing, and I believe I'm tipping the Lions. Just so north, Reece Shaw is confidently tipped as getting the position permanently. Yeah. Had they beaten Essendon last week, do you reckon they would have actually made the announcement? Uh, possibly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sort of seems ridiculous, doesn't one it? One point. Yeah, well, one kick, yeah, you know, one 20 kick, I mean, seconds. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. That, uh, that, that's why I asked that question. On on such time, on, on such moments do careers lie in the balance. It, yeah. It's quite amazing. And if he ends up... For some by some chance not getting the gig, yeah. you'll always ask, you know, would that would yep. that have done it? But um, yeah, well, there you go again, sort of strengthening my argument that none of these things about coaching appointments are ever rational. Um, all right, let's go to Optus Stadium in Perth, uh, six ten local time Saturday evening. That's eight ten on my much loved Eastern Seaboard. Fremantle taking on Sydney. Uh, More injury issues for the Dockers. Jesse Hogan uh, won't be back. uh, Pulled up sore after training. He's out again. Aaron Sandilands managed last week. Uh, He won't be playing either this week. And uh, He's got a calf? I'm just trying to remember. I'm worried with Sanderlands whether that means an injury or whether he's actually captured and eaten an entire calf. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sanderlands has a calf to go with the, la- with the yeah. sheep. Which will be ritually sacrificed <laughs> in the game. Um, Sydney uh, struggling, struggling, fair to say. There's, been a, there's a real sort of, I don't know, they just look a bit stale to me. Gee, it's an interesting reappointment of John Longmire for three years. Whew. Faith. Oh, heaps of faith. And it might be entirely justified, but um, I just feel like they're in some sort of twilight zone at the moment. They're not necessarily rebuilding. They're certainly not contending. So what are they doing? Thank God their fans don't know a lot about footy. (laughs) (laughs) That's not fair. Um, Not the South Melbourne. No, no, not the South Melbourne people. I think think even they know who I'm talking about. Yeah, those Johnny-come-latelys up in the Harbour City. Remember they used to applaud throw-ins? Yeah, and and points. But they were incredibly... (laughs) They should go to the EFL. All right, what happens in the game? Uh, I'll tell you what doesn't happen in the game. Remember, 
Actually, it was a good bet. They should bring it back in these days of a million types of bets. Yeah. Picking highs and high and low for the round. High yeah, score. The sweep. Was it called the sweep? You had to pick the team yeah. that would kick the highest the football score. Football pools, wasn't it? You yeah. picked the winner. You picked all the winners and a highest and lowest score. But you can't just have a bet which team would score the most for the round, which team would score the least. Okay. Don't put either of those teams in your highest. <laughs> don't put this game in the highest. No. In fact, don't put this game on IQ or record. It, it is. It does fall into that category of games you know are going to be crap spectacles, doesn't it? Every goal should be celebrated like a soccer goal <laughs> because there's not going to be a lot of them. No. And goal kicking should be announced singles two, and if any player gets two, it should be called a brace. Yeah. And then a great a deal made of a hat trick. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I don't think there's much firepower tipping, left in either team. I'm yeah. tipping Sydney. I'm tipping Sydney to win. Are you? Tipping, are you? Okay. Yeah, you're tipping Frio, are you? I am. Yeah, I'm tipping Sydney to win because the greatest strength of Frio at the moment is Fife. And you know what? Kennedy won't. That, Sydney's midfield still has enough nous not to be thrashed by the Frio midfield. Hey, what about this through a headline, given you, your comment on Frio's watchability? Yeah. Uh, fee, Fife, ho, hum. That's very good. I used to write Freer. headlines for a living. Did you, but were you a subby? Did you, yeah. So you wrote the headlines? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know the first one I ever wrote for The Age, actually, when I started at The Age? I think the very first story I subbed was Kevin Bartlett's appointment as Richmond coach. Yeah. Um, so it was a late story, and I, it was a fairly small but, but headline the, the Age don't have fun headlines. Oh, there no, was, but this one, I got a huge got a pat on the back it. from Bob Parsonage, who was the chief sub. I, yeah. I, and it, was, you know, it was just hungry for the Tiger Challenge. Yeah, because, you know... That was pretty cutting edge for if, the Age, the Herald, pretty out there. If the Herald Sun had a headline, you know, some <laughs> witty... You know, you know their headlines. Yeah, big guns back for pies. <laughs> So, no, so if the Herald Sun headline was, um, let's say Darcy Moore's injured, um, no more for the time being, yeah, that would yeah. be their headline. Yeah. Then the age would always say, Darcy Moore yeah. to be sidelined for a month. Collingwood defender sidelined. Out for a month. Yeah. You know, yeah. to, almost to, as a point to prove how infantile the other paper yeah. was. No, well, that's, that, that's why I was patted on the back. I'd, I'd push the envelope there. You, you know, I authored the greatest, one of the great headlines ever, and... Poults just failed to get it in. As in Jeff Poulter. Yeah, at the Herald Sun. Yeah. He wasn't subby, but he told the subby, it might have been Warwick Green about it. Yeah. And Warwick Green said, oh my God, it's too late. It would have been brilliant. Because it it was when um, uh, Terry Wallace, you know, was appointed Sydney coach, but didn't get the position. And they appointed Ruse. Yeah. And there's this big article with this taciturn looking plough yeah. on the back page of the Herald Sun, yeah. and the headline should have read, How Now Brown Plough. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, all right. was always brown. Let's get on with it. So you're tipping Sydney. Yeah. All right. Just writing that down. What a great headline, How Now Brown Plough. Yeah. No, there's an uh, inherent satisfaction about writing a good headline, particularly with a small What's the most count. famous, one of the most famous ones ever? Uh, headless Body in Topless Bar. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Haven't you heard that? <laughs> no. Oh, that's a famous one. Yeah. The sporting one from Scotland. Uh, no, what was it? Um, I was, it's to do with, oh, I've got to remember it, but it's to do with Celtic and Caledonian Thistle. Um, it was Super <laughs> Cali. Oh, yeah, okay. Su- 
Yeah, yeah fragile bit, or something. It, it was, <laughs> no, Super went ballistic. Yeah. Uh, Celtic were atrocious or something. I, I, remember, I think that was it. Super Kelly went ballistic, Celtic were atrocious. I remember uh, Freddie Villiers once on World of Sport having to read the soccer uh, Scottish, like, second division or something, and it was and it was Firth of Fourth Four. Yeah, no, this, <laughs> the famous part, this was the two Roddies. Soccer pool results, 4-5-5, four, five, five, he's 5-4. Five, <laughs> All right, let's get on with it. Uh, Geelong. And, and by the way, this year, true, and there was a big article written about it, was the closest that score ever came to happening because it was East 5-4, Oh, really? And people were all over England and Scotland were Throwing praying parties. that Forfar could kick two more goals. All right, uh, Geelong Hawthorne. Uh, one ten Sunday afternoon at the G. Isn't this the most understated Geelong Hawthorne game for ten years? Just struck me then as I was Absolute, saying. I, we I should, could, there should be features about it and about their rivalry. Haven't heard a thing. So true. And you know what? Almost unfairly, Geelong are on top, but Hawthorne have hit a bit of form. Yeah, and it, it is just about time for one of these crazy. Close games, upsets, where Hawthorne stake a claim for the eight, only because they were playing Geelong. Well, it's interesting. I mean, we're still talking about North's sort of mathematical finals chances. No one's really talking about Hawthorne, but they're actually ahead of North on the ladder. Correct, correct. Oh, never ride Hawthorne off finals. Correct, and Geelong are starting to creak a bit. Yeah, I don't know if it... I, look, well, I, Hawkins is injured, mate. Yeah, I, I was down there last week. Oh, is Hawkins injured? Well, he's got a, they started to talk about back issues. He's... You know why that's so funny? I, I didn't realise. I must have missed that. Well, because after the game last Saturday night, I went outside to have a quick dart yeah. while I waited for my ride back. Thank you very much, Bruce Over. Uh, it was a very good oh, car trip, actually. Can the, I just say very quickly, yeah. I was forced, okay. circumstances beyond my control, to listen to much of the World Cup final, the end of it. Yes. Gee, Bruce did a good job. Yes. He called that brilliantly. With Darren Lehman and Chuck Berry. Yeah. Well, they, they get a sort of audio feed from England. They yeah. were doing it here. And Buff a couple of times, their sponsor was some booking agency. And he said, they would have been grading Geelong last night. Yeah. Silence, because we're pretending we're there. But Bruce called it well. Yes. It was a very entertaining car trip, both down there and back. Um, and I've now lost the point of what I was saying. Oh, you were that's having right. a cigarette. No, I was having a quiet cigarette outside waiting for Messrs. Lehman and Eva. And the Geelong players were walking out. And uh, Tomahawk, who I haven't spoken to for a long time, but he came out. And I said, oh, g'day, Tom. And he had a great chat. And I just said, you know, just as a conversation started, I said, oh, you saw? And he said, yeah, yeah, I'm a bit. And I didn't really read anything into it. But they, they, were, they sort of just did enough, didn't they? They 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 were sort of not overly impressive, I didn't feel. Can I ask you a question? You don't have to answer it. Yeah. You and I have both had cigarettes around football, you know, going outside for a ciggy. Yeah. Now, I've had an, certain footballers, who I will never name, mm. at functions, especially at the Brownlow, yeah. come up and say, oh, can I have a dart? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love yeah, 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 yeah. the quiet dart with a current footballer. Yeah. Oh, well, so so much uh, to the extent that on the International Rules Tour of Ireland in 2004, I started buying an extra pack yeah. because I'd go out in the balcony or whatever and immediately be surrounded by about a dozen footballers <laughs> wanting to pot a smoke. Glenn Arch has now given up cigarettes and yeah. a great effort. Yeah. I used to see him at functions across the room, like I'm talking... A room of 400 people, yeah. he'd be waving at yeah. me doing a signal, <laughs> yeah. doing his hand signals. 
and he knew every nook and cranny at Etihad Stadium and Crown Casino, where you didn't have to go outside, but there was there are back there there are secret passages, and you know what a lot of them are called? What? This is where Warney goes for a cigarette. Oh yeah, well I, I told you I've had I've had a dart with Warney so in the Etihad car park. Yeah, I, I've had one in one of these secret <laughs> passageways at Etihad. And session Tendulkar ranging Warney <laughs> <laughs> smoke. To, so, it was to tee up that um, that game right. they had in New York. So did he say I had one with Rowan and did Session say I think he put did. him on? <laughs> No, I think he did say yeah. Thinking oh. it was Rowan Gavaska? <laughs> yeah. Su- yeah. Sonny's son, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Um, uh, can we talk about this guy? Just very quickly. When you were having the cigarette... People like this. Yeah. When you were having the cigarette with Wardy, yeah. did he do a line? See, I said something No, he didn't about- do a line. He was just having a smoke. <laughs> no, no. So I said something, and he had a prepared response. Right. What was it? He was... Sp- I don't... Now, that's not as easy to work out. He, he smoked... Dunhill Reds. I can't remember what he smoked. Or right, Dunhill Reds. You remember they used to have numbers on cigarettes. They were sixteens. Right. Oh, like, as in the nicotine yeah, content. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I had a puff of his cigarette. Sixteen. That's strong. Six, the, yeah, yeah. Super strong. Yeah. So I, I, I think I bottled one off him. Yeah. I said, "How do you smoke these?" <laughs> and his response: He must have a, this as a prepared response. You think? That's bad. Try smoking a pack and a half and bowling 40 overs in Mumbai. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, this went, incidentally, when we did have this cheeky dart, it was whilst we were both sitting in the St Kilda coaches box uh, for a game against the Western Bulldogs about three years ago, actually. It was a funny night. And mine was St Kilda Bulldogs because it was in a super box with Gilbo, Darren Berry and Shane Warne, where Darren Berry ah. used his famous line. Which is? I. Oh, have you ever had a drink with Chuck? I don't think I have, actually. Okay, he's got the great line. One more and we'll stay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very well. What was I going to say when you said Archer knew every nook and cranny and you knew every crook and nanny? <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about this game. Okay, well, this is a special edition where we tell you things about people we shouldn't. Okay, come on. Which game is it? Geelong Hawthorne. I'm so tempted to tip the Hawks. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Hawks. Okay. You know why? Why? I think Geelong have got Gunston some... back. I th- yeah, Hawthorne. I think Geelong have got some issues at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, gee, if not for Dangerfield... Now, I reckon... I know Hawkins has got a back issue, and I think Ablett's sore as well. I oh, know he's sore. He's oh, got no, hip, he's sore. He's, he's got, got that hip flexor, flexor problem. Yeah. But the, if they... I think they're going to play both of them. Yeah. You can't play injured players against good teams. Is that right? Do you remember what Paddy Dangerfield did with an injured ankle against Hawthorne a couple of years ago? You don't go into games with injured players. It's rolling the dice too many times. You're right. right. You're right. A, a champion can play injured for a game. Mm. Look at Alex Carey. He batted better when he got hit. But I'm just saying, in the end, you roll that dice, it's going to come up snake eyes. All right. Okay, so you're going for the Hawks in a uh, minor upset. I'm going for the Cats. Melbourne West Coast in Alice Springs at 2.50 local time on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Eagles, it hasn't been a great week for them, has it? They lose the game against Collingwood. They've lost Nick Nat probably for the rest of the season. Oh, that's pretty much written. They've lost Jamie Cripps for at least a month with a, a, yep. a serious groin injury. Uh, Josh Kennedy looking very sore. Also, Daniel Venables has been ruled out for the year after a bad concussion. L Dan. So they're in a bit of strife. Uh, Having said they're in a bit of strife, they won the flag last year without Gaff, Natanui or Shepard. 
So I think they've got the depth. I reckon Hickey can do what Scott Lysett did for him last year when Nick Nat got injured. Um, actually, the bigger loss, and he's back in a couple of weeks, but it's funny how it's not mentioned here, is Mark Hutchings, because uh, he's massive for him as that run, run with player locked down on the uh, best midfielder of the opposition. Melbourne yeah. pushed the doggies last week, but they're a shadow of what they were. Quick, quick uh, tip here. Alice Springs is an interesting venue. They did so well there last year against Adelaide, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They smashed them. They, but they, did they play Adelaide there this year and lost? Don't know. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, was that? I think that was Darwin. Darwin, maybe. yeah, Darwin. Melbourne will make it a difficult. Their run home allows them to have a free shot because it's been so disappointing. I think they'll get a scalp or two. I've been going fine. Go for it. No, I'm not because I've I've just always <laughs> this year. Tinted my opinion on West Coast. It's just I'm not sure about them, and I've tipped against them, which is not fair because they are the premier, reigning premiers, and they have had some good wins this year, and they still believe they can go back to back. Respectfully, I tip them to beat Melbourne. Uh, I'm going well. I tip the Eagles to win the flag. I've stuck with them all year. I ain't jumping off now, Sonny boy. So I'm going for the Eagles as well. And round. What is it? 18 wraps up with the uh, not eagerly awaited Sunday twilight game for the Marvel Stadium. That's not true at all. Between St Kilda and the Western You're joking. Why is it eagerly awaited? Oh, mate, this would be a great game. A, the Doggies are having a rattle at the eight and really entertaining to watch because they're having a red... They don't score a lot, but they are having a red-hot go. Yep. St Kilda's appointed a new coach. And the other two teams that appointed a new coach had an immediate result. Correct. Interestingly, North against the Bulldogs. Yeah. And Carlton played Bulldogs second up. Yeah. And just lost to them. So yep. Bulldogs are, are tasting that fire. Mm. And St Kilda play well against the Doggies. And just on their form against Geelong, would consider themselves a real chance back at Marvel. This is a huge game for the Doggies. And a big game for St Kilda under Brett Ratton. No, this is a good game. Okay. Yeah. No, you're, you've convinced me. So who's yeah. going to win it? I'm going to tip the Bulldogs. This is a really strange thing. I I want St Kilda to do well every week. I actually sort of would like the Doggies to win. It doesn't matter for St Kilda if they win or not. Richo's gone. There's no um, subscript there. And Brett Ratton won't be decided on a win or a loss. I definitely want St Kilda to play well. But I'm enjoying Bulldogs, this, as you pointed out, very different team to the one that won the flag. Yep. Uh, reloading. And of the teams that are outside the eight... You'd rather they made it than Essendon. I think that they could be a more meaningful... Only because of Essendon's injuries. Yeah. I think they could be a real... Meaningful finalist. Certainly in week one. Yeah. I think they could be a really tricky opponent. And that's what you like in the finals. Yep. I tip them and I want them to win. Yep. Okay. So you're tipping against your own side. That's all right. When it's uh, I'm not barracking for the doggies, but I'd, I'd like them to get the four points. Okay. I, I, if you say it quietly, I'm sure a lot of our um, listeners won't hear it. Single um, supporters are, are particularly sort of. They're um, just torn up. Their Mark Fine posters. No, no. They, they they only hear what they want to hear. So if you whisper, they don't hear everything. Okay. Now uh, Bontempelli is in doubt at this stage. He'll play. Uh, Toby McLean will miss well, a few, play. and uh, Tom Liberatore and Caleb Daniel touch and go. And uh, no Steve Wallace either, ankle surgery for him. So some personnel issues, of course, not on the scale the Saints have had to put up with. You're right, they do tend to have sort of close-ish 
games, don't they? In fact, that when I was talking about that Shane Warne game, uh, that was the second meeting of the Dogs and the Saints that year. And, of course, in the first one, 2015, um, the Saints... Hang on, was it with Saints? Yeah, the Saints famously came back from... When the Dogs about eight, nine goals up and the yep. Saints came back and pinched the win. And then the second one was a close one too and the Doggies just got up. Oh, no, the Doggies won the second one okay, didn't they? Oh, not by a lot. No, it was only by a kick. Yeah? Yeah, it was a I really low-scoring game, though. I, I, from memory, I think they sort of... They had control. No, no, they won by a kick. Yeah, but St Kilda were never in front. I, I, I remember that that game was deceptively. Um, I, I never. St Kilda might have kicked the last couple of goals. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, it was close. Uh, yeah, low scoring. Yeah, yeah. Maybe okay. I'm not remembering it well because I had a bottle of dart off Warney and the uh, over overdose of nicotine just clouded my thinking. Try bowling forty overs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next, we'll be talking about Dean Jones' 210 in Madras, or he will. Well, you know that when, when you know that what he's talking about is when he was paid half a million to quit smoking or whatever? Yeah, he so, was sprung in New Zealand. Yeah, but you know how he smoked through that Indian tour? No, furtively, I'd imagine. Well, the players thought it was odd that after being in the field in 42-degree heat yeah. every day yeah. at lunch, tea, at lunch, sorry, and at tea, and after the game, he'd have a hot shower. What he'd do is he'd run the shower, so the steam went everywhere. And he went, it's famous. Yeah. He, was, he was sitting in there. Yeah. He took a chair in there yeah. and sat in these showers with steam pouring out, having cigarettes. <laughs> All right, uh, there are your nine games for round 18. Let's wrap this baby up. On footyology, the final word. Okay, competition time, and uh, we asked you to send in your entries to info at footyology.com.au, and we wanted you to come up with some of the famous old sponsors of footy clubs. Uh, didn't have to be Guernsey or Shorts, but uh, obviously they're the ones we remember the most, and we had some ripping entries, Finey. Do you want to just take us through a couple of the best ones? Uh, I cannot tell you how pleased I am with the level of... Um, obscurity <laughs> and that's what we aim for so sponsorship didn't just have to be jumper sponsorship well that's what I was thinking but wisely uh, one of our listeners uh, went with some signage that he remembered down at the old cats ground and who was the listener Paul Rooney yes and what did Paul come up with he came up with it really you know that it's a long time ago one okay Phillips colour TV fair enough yeah the big signs, and this this was at Moorabbin, anyhow, have a Winfield. Yeah. What a great, that's a great campaign. Anyhow, have a Winfield. Oh, Paul Hogan, yeah. But this is a ripper, and one that simply said, STD calls, cheaper after 7pm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's funny because the sign actually just said, STD, cheaper after 7pm, which meant if you went to a prostitute, yeah. did, did you get a discount <laughs> on herpes? Well, what was that one you mentioned down at Geelong? My favourite. Yeah. People still talk to me about it because yeah. I, I got me so angry. Yeah. I, I got an SMS this week from a Geelong fan who said, have you got over half-price haircuts yet? And what was the problem with half-price haircuts? That's all it said. Yeah. Half-price haircuts. Not where, <laughs> not a phone number, just half-price haircuts. Maybe, you know, maybe it was a protest group. I, I would get to the ground and, and engage Geelong supporters and there'd be this banter and then I'd just turn on them. And where in the... F- do you get half-price haircuts? <laughs> I think, what are you talking about? And I'd point at the side. 
and then answer. Oh, there's a place in Little Mallop Street. <laughs> I think it was a lobby group demanding. I remember a woman said, I think it's the place in Little Mallop Street. And you know what she said? <laughs> but it closes at, on Saturday at 12.30. <laughs> I said, I don't want one. <laughs> All right, come on. Oh, those were the days. Okay. Belinda Reed contacted us. And it's, it's, are you not encouraged by our female listenership? I think we've got a very diverse audience finding and plenty of women listening okay. to us. You, I wonder if it's now politically correct because her favourite was, being a Richmond fan, Esso, put a tiger in your tank. Uh, yeah, I think that's perfectly okay unless you've got a really literal grotty mind. Not, no. Oh, what, no, I'm putting not being a tiger gr- in your tank. No, I'm not being grotty. I'm just well, saying. What's politically incorrect? I'm just saying that? the world life, wildlife. Oh, fund okay. Wants to point out that the right. Bengal tiger is endangered, and not to put them in cages or tanks. Yeah, when you said politically correct, it actually made me think of the was it the Ampole Girl of the Week in the footy record? <laughs> was her Ampoles painted on? Do you remember that there was a series of footy? pictures of footy girls sponsoring for some product yeah and their their jumpers were painted on it was body body paint yeah or what about palmer's punchlines in the sunday press every week you know punchliner because i colleen hewitt i also famously (laughs) said once when i saw the picture of the st kilda girl in this magazine i brought it to the footy to show the guys i said since when has our jumper had nipples on them (laughs) (laughs) all right come on i'm glad we're doing this quickly yeah okay um Another, and these all come, by the way, with much appreciated praise for the program. We should say that, shouldn't we? Yes. Okay. So, I really like this one. We've got some great, great entries. And this is from, sometimes they're hard to read, but it, it it's from Jonathan Ricks. Okay? Yep. And this is our winner. Yeah. Okay. Now, there's been some special mentions. Don Smallgoods, as I send in Don Smallgoods, being a big... Is Don is good. He yep. pointed out that that was played, that was worn during some of the, and that slogan was um, announced at during some terrible losses. And the crowd was saying, no, we're not. <laughs> but I love this. And it is from Jonathan Ricks. Oh, yep. I didn't even know this. That Brisbane was sponsored at one point by, and did you know this? Um, I don't know. You haven't said okay. it. No, that's fair <laughs> enough. Uh they, the Camperdown Dairy International. Uh, it doesn't ring a bell, no. Now, they produced infant formula. Oh, yeah. Which, of course, is the source of much controversy because it's bought in bulk here and sent to, uh, often back to China where yes. it's more expensive. I know I live near Chemist Warehouse. Yeah, I think that problem has now been solved. But their logo was basically a cow on a bright lime green background. Oh, yeah. Now... It was odd, and particularly when they wore a special Fitzroy jersey to commemorate... Guernsey. Uh, Guernsey, yeah. Well, yes. They're both islands on the English Channel, by the way, Jersey and Guernsey. Yeah. Uh, so it was a special Fitzroy jumper. Remember, that was beautiful in Brisbane wore that. With yeah. The, the old Fitzroy jumper with the white monogram. Yeah. But unfortunately, that was ruined, he said, by a very large uh, sponsor's logo for the um, formula company. Right. Because the logo was just a green background with cows on it. (laughs) And he's got a photo of Kevin Murray wearing this ridiculous cow jumper. Okay, so it's the Brisbane Lions... And Kevin Murray, you know how Kevin loves everything Fitzroy? Yeah. He's holding it up, like, smiling. 
and you can just sort of see the next shot would be, what the f- <laughs> <laughs> So the Brisbane Lions wearing the old Lions jumper with a oversized cow. Yeah, and it must be known amongst Fitzroy people because at their Hall of Fame, um, people were bringing in what was known as Kevin Cow Jumpers to be signed by Kevin <laughs> oh, <really>? Murray. <laughs> Good work. Yeah, he's a great man, Kevin Murray. Have you got a Kevin... Ke- remember when Essien killed him? Oh, yes, vaguely. Who did that? Well, Brett Phillips was on air, but his producer was Matthew Lee. And unfortunately, somebody rang up very earnestly, yeah, but with great malice, and said he's a, a relative, and he's calling from the um, Eastern Hospital, the Dandenong Base Hospital, and sadly, Kevin Murray has passed away. And you need to go back to journalistic. But for Spider at 3am in the morning, the need for speed overcame his um, journalistic Riggle. instincts. And for the next three hours, tributes flowed oh, in. No. Late night or early morning listeners rang up to say what he meant to football and to Fitzroy. And it wasn't until Kevin's partner went to make a cup of coffee in the morning and uh, tea in the morning at about 5am and this radio was on and it said Kevin Murray died. And she actually went, this is true, she went back to the bed to check that he was okay. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a scoop. And then rang in the station with that famous phone call. Hello? Yes, I'm... I'm she used the term partner. Uh, Hello, I'm Kevin's partner. And they thought, oh, this is the final and most meaningful tribute. And I've just popped back in bed with Kevin and he's he's fine. <laughs> okay. Well, at least he had people ringing up uh, offering condolences, unlike when... Um, Robert... You know they put a package together, a quickly put together package. Murray picks up with that sad music yeah, behind yeah. it. Farley, Kevin Murray. <laughs> no, just sleeping well... Kevin Murray. Well, I told you about the column Robert Walls wrote for The Age where he talked about the late Alf Brown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Alf wasn't dead. dead, but no one actually rang up and complained about it. <laughs> <laughs> Was well, Alf not liked? Uh, no, well, I, I liked him. I, I didn't deal with him very often, but uh, I guess, you know, you, yeah, it's quite sad. I actually, loved his articles. Think, uh, yes. On we, Saturday, Wes Lofts will line up yeah, on Kevin. Every we all did. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for... Uh, um, stretching that one out as well? Yes, this certainly has been a marathon episode. Anyway, John, Jonathan Ricks is our winner. Yeah. So, Jonathan... Um, Argan could... Tau, now I've seen and I am a convert. Yes. Oh, they're a lovely... Can I have one? Uh, if you pay for it. What? Uh, 100% organic... Too late! Argan <laughs> Jim Tau. Uh, we'll give you a new one, not the one Finey's taken out and used. Uh, a Andrew's Hamburgers more. T-shirt. Give us your size too, Jonathan, when you're emailing us back. Your address and your T-shirt size, please. And... Um, Congratulations on being a footyology competition winner. Finally, quickly, what is the competition for this week? I've got a jingle for Argon. It's Argon. It's Argon. Argon footy. Tows our best. Oh, very good. Okay. okay. This week's comp, hair. Um, beautiful hair. Hair. Yeah. Big hair. We're not talking about um, mullets. Big hair. Perms. Shining, gleaming, steaming, flaxen, waxen. Give me down to yeah. 
Yeah, that's Shoulder it. length longer. Here, baby, there, mama. Every daddy, daddy, here. Okay, come on. What are those, ba- what are those bands people wear? Uh, Alice bands. Yeah, okay. They generally are protecting a lot of hair. Yeah. We want a lot of hair. Go back to froze, afro, you know, natural ones. Yeah. Perms. Players actually had perms. Yeah. Footy cards can prove this. Right to the modern day, big hair, hair bear bunch type footballers. But big hair, big hair. Massive. Yeah. All right. Not So we're not after um, funny hair or combed yeah. over hair. Yeah. We, do we require visual representation or is that too difficult for it, this one? It gives you a great chance of winning because as much as we picture it, we really piss ourselves when we see it. Yeah, okay. So um, visual representation preferable, not essential, but if you can dig up a pick, that would yeah. be nice. All right. Uh, good luck with that one. Send all your entries to info at footyology.com.au along with any feedback you may have or uh, abuse or whatever. And we've been getting a lot of emails actually, Finey, and um, the vast bulk have been very, very kind and complimentary. So uh, thanks everyone, and I am being quite serious here. Thanks everyone for your support. Uh, it's very gratifying to know that what we're doing is actually being enjoyed by some people. Have you seen the movie No Country for Old Men? Uh, yeah, I have. Can't the, remember a lot about it, but I have seen Won the Academy Award for Best Movie. Yeah. They Does have that, uh, Sam, uh, what's his name? Yeah, good looking. Rooster. With a moustache? Yeah. But Elliot? No, no, no. Sam Elliott actually played a very small part in The Big Lebowski. He was the dude, at the the guy at the bar. And it had the, the bad guy. Javier Bardem. Who is the partner of a beautiful actress. Penelope Cruz? can't remember. Is it Penelope Cruz? I don't know. But, yeah, but I'm in he, love with Penelope Cruz. Antoine Chagard, the character he plays, is considered Moviedom's top three bad guys of all time. And this is all relevant to the point you're making, which well, I was... Well, toss the coin. Remember you asked the guy to pick heads or tails? No. This episode has just run longer than No Country for Old Men. <laughs> <laughs> or a Logie's, uh, a Logie's telecast. Um, so we've covered off everything, haven't we? We've done the competition. We've done everything. I like the boy. Okay, no, don't do that. All right, we'll leave <laughs> you with a song. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good luck uh, for your team this weekend. And, we, you know, we finish off with a song. Finey, you can get to pick today. I was really taken by your unfortunately sort of heartfelt plea of what has happened to the world of journalism in your in your sphere of expertise print journalism where um it seems as though the the new boys the kids wet behind the ears the least qualified uh running the show in some major journal in some major um sport journalist organizations radio tv print this is what's happening and uh this song is it is, of course, the lunatics have taken over the asylum by Fun Boy 3. We'll see you on Sunday night.
disagree. Oh. Cause when the madman flicks a switch. <laughs> 